you think in your head you build yourself a lot of barriers and a lot of challenges and you kind of overthink a lot of things and then in the end it's actually quite easy and quite simple to do and you're just like oh I, th I thought this was going to be so much more complicated than it, than it was in the end, basically. Hello and welcome to Outer Spaces, a podcast dedicated to empowering designers and contractors in the outdoor living space. I am on a mission to scour the globe to find and interview the most brilliant mindset coaches, sales strategists, and business leaders alive and present them in a way that landscapers, hardscapers, and outdoor living pros can immediately put them into use to grow and thrive. On Outer Spaces, we are passionate about breaking the chains of small mindsets and helping contractors just like you take control of their businesses and their lives. My name is Joshua Gillow, and through my 27 years of dirt under the nails experience, I look forward to sharing tips, strategies, and other contractor success stories here on the Outer Spaces podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, welcome back to the Outer Spaces podcast. This is your host, Joshua Gillow. And this week on the show, I have a young man, his name is Alexander Holm, and he happens to be my nephew. He lives in Germany, and he has a great story to share. He, at the age of 20 to 21, had the opportunity to backpack through Vietnam and Cambodia all by himself. And I wanted to share this story with you because when I was about that age, I really, in my heart, wanted to be able to just pack up a backpack and head somewhere in South America or Europe and just discover the world and discover myself along the way. And he had that opportunity. And he comes on the podcast this week to share the different challenges that he faced in those countries and uh, how he grew during that time. And also, we talk a lot about how his parents and the way they raised him set him up for success during this trip. So guys out there, if your parents raising kids and you want to make sure they have the most, uh, the best opportunities in life and they have that the, the, they're equipped for the world that's coming at them, this is the episode for you. Hey, Alexander, I am so excited to have you on the show here. Not only are you family, but you're also, you did something that I wished I would have done when I was 20. And we spent a lot of time this summer, listeners out up in a family vacation in Iceland, and we sat next to each other in a bus and we were chatting about this adventure that Alexander took this year. And He's, uh, you know, between his 20 and 21st year of life. And uh, so I wanted to bring him on the show here and just have him unpack what he learned. So he took a trip um, by himself to Vietnam, Thailand, and Cambodia for, um, a, he'll tell you how long, for a while. And he had to kind of figure life out and, and do all those fun things. So I'd love to unpack with him today about what he learned about himself on that, on that journey and uh, some of the challenges he had to overcome. So Alexander, welcome to the show. Thank you, Josh, uh, for inviting me. Um, yeah, so it was actually quite a long time I've been gone, like I think six months in total. Um, but yeah, there were a lot of different places I've went. Um, I think maybe we should start from the beginning together and kind of walk through the different countries I've been to and the experiences um, I've made there. Absolutely, shoot. Yeah, so I think um, I had a kind of nice start to the whole experience because um, I was kind of... Um, given the easy start if you would say so because i was started in thailand with my family um on a diving trip first for like two weeks and um, after that my parents just went home again so i didn't kind of start it completely on my own but kind of with my family and that kind of made it a lot easier to just be okay i've seen this island before i've been here in, Th in thailand already for uh, now two weeks so it feels a bit more natural to just be like okay I've been here and then they just leave and you're just, okay, now you have to figure everything out on your own. And I can still remember like this time where I'm standing at the pier and like waving my parents goodbye and saying, uh, um, also goodbye to my family, but also to like a new life now being like, okay, I'm here on my own now. Okay. What do I do now? Like before I had like a plan, I've been diving, I've like 
set things that are in the plan and now you have to make your own plans right and um i had like kind of a little bit of guidelines because my father had booked a flight for me um to like another city or something because he was planning on me to go there um but other than that i was like just now figure out what you want to do and um first was like okay i want to have a motorcycle because that was what i've seen what the others did uh, on the island but that was actually the thing that my parents said or my father said don't get a motorcycle don't get a scooter it's way too dangerous but of course <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what you do right you're that's not right. supposed to do that and then you do exactly what you shouldn't do um because you want to challenge the boundaries right and uh, now you're on your own so um kind of nobody can stop you and um well as it has to go um people who tell you you should do it probably tell you that because of a reason and because I've experienced it before. And in my father's case, it was because he had a motorcycle accident at some point in time. Mm. And well, I actually just ran into the trap and did the same thing like two days later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you learn and you see, okay, um, maybe there was a reason why he said, um, don't get a motorcycle. And um, I, maybe also, also because I took the biggest motorcycle you could get and straight went to the mountains and off-road and dirt biking in my flip-flops and bathing trunks <laughs> and uh, open shirt, which was probably not the best <laughs> protection clothing. But um, yeah. yeah, exactly why your dad told you not <laughs> to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's awesome. Yeah, but um, then there are two options after that, right? You say either um, now I'm fucking scared of going on a motorcycle again and will never do it again, or you're like okay, that was stupid. Why did I fall? And what could I have done better to, um, yeah, not hurt myself that bad when I fall, basically. Yeah. And um, there you have some options again, learn from your mistakes or be completely scared of it for the future. But for me, it was the decision um, of uh, definitely getting on the bike again. And later on my trip in Vietnam, I uh, did it for uh, um, over 5,000 kilometers. So um, yeah, yeah, I love I love following your your track record there on Instagram. You would post new things each and every day as you were moving around, and I just you know was living vicariously through you. And what I thought was really interesting was the fact that you could you would budget, you'd show what your budget was each and every day, and how much food and all that kind of stuff and gas. And I was in, I was amazed by how inexpensive it was for you to travel. Could you tell us a little bit about how you set that budget up and how you kept to it? Yeah, hundred percent. So, um, kind of. That's a thing that I learned quite fast in my travel was like um, how cheap it was and how to kind of budget because the first time around I didn't have that money, much money. I just had the money that I saved up. And the easiest way for me was just to go to the ATM and pull out a fixed amount. Um, I think I took out like 2000 baht or something every time and the exchange rate is like 35 to one. Um, so it was not that much money, but then like kind of having a idea of, okay, I've pulled up money like four days ago or five days ago. Now I have to pull out money again because you pay everything in cash and thereby you had a bit of a kind of understanding, okay, how many days you can go with how much money. That was kind of a good um, rule of thumb in the beginning. Um, the second time around when I was traveling, I had like talked to some friends at home who had been backpacking as well and they recommended like a app for me. Um, which was using a lot where then was um, like putting my budget in like how long I'm planning on traveling um, and then putting a, a kind of a set budget for my day. And then you could write into the app. Now I've spent so and so much on my hostel, so and so much on gas and the motorcycle. And then you get a pretty good idea of how much your budget is for the day, which if you want to live really cheap in Thailand and Cambodia and stuff, 
you can live for around $35 um, dollars a day, but if you kind of spend a bit more and um, do a bit more of the exciting stuff, you can also live really goodly off like $45, $50 a day. So then That's you're crazy. really going on all the trips you want to. You go and climb, you go on the boat trip, you go and drinking and doing partying and whatever you want to. And you basically have easily enough money to do all the stuff you want. So yeah, that's, yeah I was amazed by how far you could stretch the dollars, right? And how far you could go with that. And uh, just to see the cool adventures you were on. So why don't you take our listeners uh, back? Who is Alexander? Maybe a, a quick version of, of kind of like where you come from and what you're studying in school and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, I'm actually from Hamburg. Um, but um, or my trip began basically after I finished um, high school. And um, then I was with my family traveling. And then I did a whole year of gap where I was, as we said, in Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam, Laos, um, and Indonesia, and then also ski working as a ski and snowboard instructor in uh, Austria. And now um, I'm back to Europe again, but this time around I'm in Copenhagen now studying at um, CBS, which is called um, Copenhagen Business School, where I'm studying a quite interesting program called uh, Business Administration and Digital Management, which is basically IIB in business. And then it just focused a bit more on the digital aspects, kind of getting into digital systems and programming as well a bit. That's awesome. And do you like it? I actually like it quite a lot. Of course, in the beginning, it's a bit like um, a big jump from high school where you're like, okay, there's actually quite a lot more to read now and quite more pressure on. But um, of course, you have to grow. And um, the best way is by pressure. Absolutely, dude. And what I thought was interesting is when you were, I don't know what age you can tell me, but you actually launched a product to sell and you procured it uh, with foreign, um, you know, creators and makers. And you were, so tell us a little bit about the product that you produced and, and started selling on, I think it was on Amazon, wasn't it? Yeah, correctly. So um, that was basically pretty much during COVID when that, that just popped around. I was like um, a bit bored because you're, you're, your activities that you would do usually like sports and hanging with the friends and stuff were quite limited at that point in time. So I was um, a lot more on my computer and then um, watching YouTube videos. And then I came around um, some people uh, talking about Amazon FBA and how you can source products um, uh, in China and get them pre produced through um, Alibaba and then bring them to Europe, um, import them and then sell them over here. And I was, 17 and a half at the time where I found out about it. And then, then I founded my uh, company actually basically the day when I turned 18. And um, it took like around a year to get like everything together from figuring out what product I want to want to produce, um, finding the best producer, the best way to ship the products, which actually you normally don't think about it, but there's quite a lot of detail to figuring out which shipping plan is also the best and the way it's going to be shipped to and if it's yeah. going to buy, be by flight or by boat or um, a lot of stuff that you think, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do that. And then there's so much more detail and so much more complexity to it than you actually think about in the first hand. Always, always, dude. And so you're 18, you, you launched your first product on Amazon. How did that go for you? Well, actually, um, to be quite honest, um, I thought let me just produce 3000 products and just do great marketing and um, make a cheaper price. And then it will just sell off like, um, like hot, uh, hot chocolate or something. But the real world experience is then that it's quite actually quite a lot harder to sell the things that you just think, Oh, it's just going to be so easy. And in the beginning, you're like having this big dream. Oh, it's going to be so easy and everything's just going to work out. But 
then you fall on your face like, oh, okay, there's so much ad spend and that's actually eating a lot of uh, away from my profits. And then you get your products and you're looking at your products and well, they look great 90% of the time, but there's like, this is, it's a wooden product. So then you look at it and oh, there's a minor imperfection here and then a minor imperfection there. And then you like have to look through all of them again, even though you thought that you didn't calculate for that amount of work to be done as well to figure out which products actually fit your um, standard of quality. And then you have to source out like 10% of them, which also again increases the product price. So in the end, uh, it was not profitable, but um, luckily I went into the adventure with the mindset of um, either this goes very well and um, it works and I make some money off of it, or um, I spend some money on it, but then um, at least I've learned a lot and maybe failed in the first attempt, but then there's the possibility to grow on the next attempt basically. I love that, dude. And that's so true. That's so true. That's how life is, man. It's never a straight line. Not many can just, you know, swing and hit right out of the fence first time out of the back. So it's so cool you did it. And what, uh, what you created was a, uh, for the listeners out there, was a cable management uh, device that helped keep your cables organized on your desk. And he, uh, it's a really beautiful um, item that he created there. And But I just loved watching him at 18 being like, you know what, I'm going to just outsource this to China. They're going to ship my stuff in here. We're going to, you know, sell it through Amazon. We're going to like... And I was just like, that is, at 18, I didn't have that. Obviously, we didn't have that opportunity when I was 18. There was dinosaurs running around. But point is that <laughs> uh, it's a big different world right now. But I love that you have that spark of entrepreneurship inside of you. And uh, it's exciting to see where you'll take what you've learned from here and moved on. So what do you think you'll do with what you've learned so far? Well, kind of um, the next thing that I kind of tried to do, which you already kind of talked about, was um, trying to post like videos on social media, right? Like um, when you're traveling and you're there, um, pick up your GoPro, pick up your drone and your phone and uh, make some videos and try to create something um, using that. And then again, you run into a lot of problems like, okay, now I'm filming this and uh, now I have all this video material, but um, how do I get it from my phone or from my camera or my laptop? How do I transfer all this stuff? And then you figure out, oh, it actually takes quite a lot of time and effort to make all of these videos, cut them together um make sure that the sound is right the um the music fits as well and then you figure out or at least i figure out in that um, point in time okay i want to enjoy my travels and i want to travel a lot but i love filming it's that's so much fun and it's a real passion of mine um but this whole editing stuff and putting music underneath it's just tiring for me and i, I don't really enjoy doing that so um then i was kind of on this hunt of finding a person who's kind of maybe able to help me do this and um, by coincidence, I was so lucky to find uh, a guy when I was in a hostel who I talked to who was doing e-commerce. And I was just asking, do you have any chance, like know some person who's like um, able to edit and maybe can do it for not that much money. And he, he gave me Instagram contact of a person living in Thailand. And um, she was very good at editing videos and could do that for like five or six bucks for like a, a reel or a short on Instagram, which was perfect for me because for me, if I would take me one or two hours to make this video, it would be totally worth it for me to pay like six bucks um, in order yeah. for her to do it for me. And she was even way better than me at it and she loved doing it. So it was kind of a win-win situation again at this point. And then it's like this outsourcing, which I also had with Amazon or the products that I produce in China where you learn like, okay, if you're not yourself really good at it or this is not the part of the job that you really enjoy doing, say yourself, okay, I'm not the best man for this job. Let me rather art this and give this to someone else who is way better at it and enjoys it even more. And dude, 
for you to learn that at 20, 18, 20, 21 years old is incredible because I know it took me way too long to realize that. I thought, you know what? I'm the only one that can do this well. So I'm just going to keep doing this. And then I got stuck doing the thing that I didn't like to do over and over again until I realized there's other people out there that are a hell of a lot better at it than I am. And they actually find joy in the things that I just don't want to do. So getting them on your team is important, but it's awesome that you've picked it up. And now with the world being a global marketplace, you know, you can tap people in, you know, Thailand or Cambodia or whatever and be like, hey, Here's an opportunity for you to cut some video. They love it because it helps them support their families. You love it because you don't have to do it. It's a win-win, right? That's. I just think it's a great way to be able to help. So I'd like to switch gears and go back into your uh, your adventure. And I'd love to know what what did you learn about the culture when you were in Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia? Like, what did you learn about the culture there coming from Germany into that environment? I know you've been there before, but what are some things, some takeaways you got about the differences? Well, kind of the thing that stunned me the most was how happy the people kind of were and um maybe it's a kind of a weird thing but it's a feeling of they are even though they do like quite simple jobs sometimes or maybe they don't earn that much um which is really crazy of course kind of linking back to the reason why it is so cheap to travel down there is because sometimes the people in the hostels where you live like make one or two dollars an hour working there um, which is kind of the reason, but even though they make so little, sometimes it's interesting to see how happy they are and how they're smiling the whole time and how they're really friendly and just kind of very positive about life in a very interesting way. Whereas when you sometimes look in Germany, like when people run, walk around the supermarket or something with kind of grumpy faces on and like, like as, as if the weather was bad all the time. Um, it's just interesting to see to me that that they have such a different kind of um, view of life in a kind of way, um, which was kind of maybe the biggest, um, biggest kind of cultural thing for me. And also like they were very, um, especially in Vietnam, they I've been invited like five or six times to dinner with like local families and um, out for a drink or something from the locals um, by them reaching out to me, uh, which kind of shows like how uh, welcoming they are, which is also something I don't feel like you see that often. Um, at least not at home here in Germany, in my opinion. Yeah, it is amazing how people that have in our perceived, you know, value structure, less meaning less money, how that they seem to be happier. I mean, not always the case, of course, just like lots of money doesn't make you sad. But at the same time, it's it is amazing how across an entire culture like that, they're happy to be alive and not so focused on the cash side of things. That's, uh, that's really a very interesting thing to learn. So what did you learn about yourself when you were going through this trip? Um, I think that also kind of connects to the point that we've just talked about is kind of this, um, um, this feeling of the happiness that I have over there and how I felt very happy and very free in a way over there. Um, when I was over there, I took some notes and I was like, I was listing a lot of times, a lot of the, the aspects of freedom that I have over there, because normally when you go on vacation, you're like, okay, I have seven days of vacation. And um, I have this in this budget. And after those seven days, I know I'm going to be back again and then I'm going to do this job. So now I have to make the most out of every day and um, do everything that I can. Right. You, you feel like you have kind of this time construct of like, I have seven days now and that's it. Whereas when you're there for three months or something, you're like, well, I haven't planned what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm just going to wake up at eight o'clock in the morning, take a shower. And then I'm going to be like, oh, you guys want to go climbing today? That sounds like a very great idea. Let's do that together. Oh, now we finished with climbing. Oh, let's take the scooter to the market and um, check out what they're doing there. You just have this kind of freedom of um, exploring and 
deciding every day what you want to do and going anywhere you want to do because it's also so cheaply like renting a scooter is like five to six euros a day plus a minimum amount of gas so every day you just go all the places you want to and if you want to go climbing it's also not a lot so you just have this kind of very different um feeling of freedom and feeling of being able to do everything each day you want to and not being like constricted in any kind of way um, and especially not time-wise um, which is kind of this biggest kind of eye-opening thing for me where I'm like, okay, I kind of want to be able to enjoy a lot of t the time that I have on this world in this kind of manner where I have the freedom to do all the things that I want to do. And having experienced this feeling before kind of, I think, gives you a good opportunity for future to know what you're looking for and to know what you're seeking in life. That's so true. And to have that space to be able to do it alone. And then find friends and to do those kinds of things as opposed to going with a structure like a family or a group of friends or something like that is just a completely different experience. Would you agree? 100%. Um, I've had friends who've been traveling together and who were then like, oh, we've been in a van together and we've been driving across the country or across Europe. And at some point they told me, even though they're very best friends, they got quite sick of each other at some point in time because <laughs> you always stuck with that one person. And if she wants to go, well, you also have to go because you're kind of stuck in the same van, right? Yeah. Whereas when I'm backhaping solo through um, uh, Vietnam or Cambodia or Thailand, then uh, I'm saying to myself, okay, I want to go here. I want to go there. And then yeah. you meet great people. And sometimes you travel together for a week, sometimes two and sometimes three. And sometimes you see them one day and then um, your paths kind of split each other again. But you have the kind of total control because you can say, I want to go with you or I want to stay here. I want to do this or I don't. And kind of also this, I don't want to, is kind of also a kind of a, a strong thing to be able to be able to say because oftentimes we're kind of saying just just saying yes because well why not because we don't really know our boundaries but if you're like i don't want to come along i don't want to go there then you're just like oh no i don't need to i'm fine where i'm right now yeah yeah to be able to to make those decisions for yourself it's amazing so how about the language barrier is there any language barrier between you and the, the locals well so there's of course a lot of difference between the countries so I feel like in Thailand and uh, in Bali, where I was, it was um, pretty much fine. Also talking with the locals, they understand quite a lot of English, um, especially in Thailand, they're quite good. Um, whereas in Cambodia and Vietnam, it's a bit more difficult. But um, in our modern day of age, uh, we all have our Google Translate on our phone. And mm. um, then you can kind of communicate with basically everybody. You just um, type it in or actually just speak it into the phone and then it will also just translate it and basically speak it out to, in another language um, to the Vietnamese people. So even those who can read can then also understand you. So um, of course, there's a language barrier in some way, but um, you work a way around it and you always find a way to, um, to be able to do the stuff you want. But when you don't have internet connection, which I've had sometimes, it's quite <laughs> interesting to going back to the basics and uh, communicating with uh, hands and feet and just pointing at stuff <laughs> and then uh, counting monies and just showing it to them and they just pick um, pick whatever they need. So um, you get into some quite interesting situations, but most of the time you're doing uh, pretty fine. I love that. I love that. Do you have any stories around that exact thing where you have a fan of money sitting out in front? You're like, boy, I hope they don't take advantage of me right now. <laughs> Um, well, that kind of uh, links pretty much um, perfectly back to kind of one of the only times in my travels where I felt a bit uncomfortable or a bit like, 
okay, I don't really know what's going on right now. And I don't, I, I felt like I was not in control, which I felt like most of the time, because that was the point uh, where I traveled uh, from the Cambodia to Vietnam um, by crossing the border by foot, um, mm. which is something I've um, actually never done really before in that kind of way, because you kind of have a physical border, which you don't have in Europe. So there's like a gate and you walk through it. And then um, or first you drive with a bus um, from Cambodia to the gate and the, the bus driver takes a picture of you and says, okay, I'll send that picture to the guy on the other send, side uh, standing at the bus waiting for you, hopefully. Um, yeah. And then you uh, walk across the border and you um, show your visa and um, your passport and everything. And they stamp you out of Cambodia. And then um, you walk across another strip of land and then you scan your bags and everything again. And then um, you get checked into Vietnam. And um, then you come out another side and then there's a guy standing there uh, with a pickup truck and you just hope he's the right guy. He didn't show you the picture, but he kind of approached you and was like, oh, you, you come, come. And you're like, oh, okay. And you just uh, walk <laughs> into the bus and you hope you're the right one. And I thought he was going to drive me all the way to Ho Chi Minh City, which is kind of the capital of Vietnam where I was planning on going to. But um, like 10 minutes later, he dropped me off at some kind of bus station and... Um, trying to communicate with him was quite hard because at that point in time I had just crossed the border. So I didn't have any um, SIM card, which was working in Vietnam and I didn't bring any uh, Vietnamese money with me. So I only had a couple of dollars, which I was very lucky about because um, that way I could somehow uh, exchange some, um, some dollars to uh, Vietnamese money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then you're standing there and trying to communicate with him and uh, trying to um, pay him for a SIM card, which was, which didn't end up working. So you kind of get scammed there, but it was like $6 or something. And all the people at the um, bus stop also couldn't talk to you because they didn't understand you. So you were like trying to figure out which bus you're supposed to take. And um, then trying to buy food with the exchange money he gave you and Vietnamese dong was also funny because you're standing there with the money and you're like, just the soup, please. And uh, they kind of figured it out and then just gave you the money back. So, um, and you didn't actually know how much it was worth at that point in time because you had just crossed the border and um, in true uh, backpacker fashion, you hadn't informed yourself at all about the country. So um, you just crossed <laughs> the border and we're hoping they're giving you the right stuff. But it turns out those people are actually quite nice and um, they try to do their best. Um, so you mostly don't get scammed. No, I love it, dude. And you know, listeners might be thinking, why the heck do you got Alexander on right now? This is more of a business podcast. Why do you do this, right? <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, because I know there's a lot of parents out there that are, you know, with kids that are going to either are at this age, 18 to 21, or we're going to be there soon. And that may come up in conversation, right? I know when my kids are growing up, they're 13 and 16 now, that when they get to this age, I'm hoping they say, I'm going to go do that because the stuff that you're hearing Alexander talk about right now, the life lessons he's learning, how to figure shit out on his own, that's what the world's missing right now. The world's missing. That's opportunity for young kids to fall on their face and stand up and learn and discover the true power that's inside of them and the fact that they can figure it out. That's what they're missing. And I love the fact that you've had this opportunity to do this. And the reason why I wanted to bring you on the show, because this is something I wished I would have done when I was younger, before I had the responsibility of family and, and all that stuff. And I'm just so happy you've had that opportunity. So what are some of the challenges that you found yourself in? I know you've had some stories here with the monies and stuff. Is there any other challenges that you found yourself in during this time that you've learned a lot from? Mm. Um, of course, navigation is kind of a challenge in some way and kind of also figuring out where do I want to go, what places do I want to see and how do I best kind of spend my time and kind of figuring out what do I actually want to do here. And um, 
of course, the internet is a lot of help, but also like going into hostels and uh, talking to people, talking about uh, what they have seen and what they have done, and then kind of creating a plan based on that. But you have to, in order to do that, of course, you have to overcome the challenge of kind of go, being outward and kind of talking to people in the first place. If not, you're not going to get uh, that much help properly. Yeah. Um, then also um, kind of the, or challenging yourself in a way of um, being on edge. Like when I arrived in Indonesia at the airport, um, the guy wanted to sell me a, a, a taxi to the place where I wanted to go for 400,000 uh, Indonesian rupee. And then you're like, um, I have nev never uh, encountered this money before, but that sounds too much for me. Let me just haggle about that. And then uh, you ask like six more people and you just say, I'm just going to pay you 200,000 no more. And the first guy says, you're delusional. And the seventh guy says, yeah, sure, job in. Um, so kind of um, <laughs> being a bit more on your edge, kind of facing those people with a bit more of like a um, criticism of being like, okay, maybe not. Maybe I'll try my best uh, to kind of see if I can find something better. Um, but then also, what challenges? No way, actually, it's it's not that, there's not that many challenges. I feel like, of course, like figuring out the right bus and stuff, but it's all stuff you figure out and how to com uh, transport yourself the right way and um, come around. But it's actually quite easy in Thailand to, for example, to get a bus or get a transport anywhere. It's, you don't have to book anything beforehand. You just walk into the hostel and say, can I sleep here tonight? There you are. Sure. $3. Here you go. Here's your key and good night. <laughs> um, like it's quite easily actually most of the time. And I was actually surprised also by, um, sometimes how smoothly everything just worked out. Like, uh, I meet friends in, uh, Chiang Mai and I talk to them for like three days and then I tell one of the uh, French guys, Oh yeah, I'm gonna go to a Thai boxing camp for one week now. Um, I'm planning on doing that, and then he says, "Oh yeah, my two mates from Britain are just leaving now, so um, I'm just gonna join you on that. Uh, why not?" Um, like sometimes it just works out so perfectly, well, better than you could have ever planned because yeah. he's just like, "Yeah, that sounds like a great plan. Let me do that as well." And you're like, in the aftermath, you think like, "What if like he would have said yes? Yes, would you've been there on your own, or you wouldn't? Okay, there were, of course other people would." It was quite that much more fun because I it was there together with him. So you think in your head, you build yourself a lot of barriers and a lot of challenges and you kind of overthink a lot of things. And then in the end, it's actually quite easy and quite simple to do. And you're just like, oh, I, th I thought this was going to be so much more complicated than it, than it was in the end, basically. Isn't it funny how our minds do that? How when you start future pacing and you start thinking of the future, you think of all the problems that could come up, all the things you safety is it this or am I run out of money? Is am I going to be able to find food? Am I going to be able to find shelter? Am I going to be able to find all that stuff? And somehow it always works out. All that fear and all that craziness, you know, you, you put it back and you look back about the things you worried about yesterday, about today, and you look back and you're like, why the hell did I waste the time yesterday worrying about it? Today's just fine. I'm like, so it's it is amazing how the mind will do that. So uh, last question here I have for you is how do you think that the way that your parents raised you prepared you to be able to do this? Because I know in the American culture, oftentimes you have what we call hover parents, right? Parents that are like, put their kids in bubble wrap and they don't let them do anything. They make all the decisions for them. They tell them what to do, when to do it. They force them in the, or not force them, but they kind of direct them into sports that they want to have them in or whatever it might be that they feel like they're doing the kid justice by kind of managing their life. Or I know having a you know a front row seat to how your father and mother you know raised you guys. Um, I'd love to hear from you how you think that their style of parenting prepared you to be more um, independent and more efficient as a as an adult. 
Well, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because this kind of um, par uh, hover parenting, which you're mentioning, is quite um, interesting for me because I feel like I've been raised in quite the opposite way. And actually, like, I think this is quite an American thing. Even though you say, yeah, America is the country of liberty and of freedom, and I feel like it's quite the opposite. Like, children have to be uh, parented 24-7. They can't go to the playground on their own. They can't swim on their own. They can't do anything on their own until they're, like, 16 years old because their parents have to drive them everywhere they go. So they have, like, no freedom of experiencing and failing on their own. They are always um, kind of walking around with this, uh, like, shield of their parents over their head which mm -hmm. are trying to protect them from everything and then once they're 16 they're kind of um or maybe a bit older but then they kind of have to deal with all of their problem these problems on their own which they have never encountered in their whole life before because they've always been so protected but that actually creates the problem right because you have never had to kind of deal with these problems on your own and then you're not kind of able to do that because you have not practiced doing that basically whereas yeah. with my parents it's been quite the opposite where they have focused a lot of the on the liberty and the trust in me to be able to do my own right decisions and that doesn't mean that they just throw me out and let me do everything i want to but it means like talking about the things that you maybe did wrong or where you like come home and you're like oh uh, i fell on the bicycle or oh i did this or that wrong or i fell into the ice and then you're like oh well maybe you shouldn't have gone on the ice when it's not that thick and um <laughs> maybe we should have better uh, <laughs> told you that today it's rainy outside and then it's minus degrees so maybe the road might be icy or like talking about the problems that you have and letting the kids encounter these problems because when i was i don't know six years old i was walking to school on my own every day every morning and then i was biking to school for like seven kilometers all the way to school and i'm back again i was going into the woods and climbing on trees when i was in kindergarten when i was like five or four years old so i had all of these um things that were dangerous around me like a pocket knife when i was in the woods like uh okay then i cut myself on the finger but then i know that fucking hurts and i should probably not um sharpen my stick of wood in my own direction but a probably away from myself yes. and they have all of these problem situations that you run into which you learn from and which you are encountering because you're allowed to fail and you're allowed to yeah do dumb stuff basically and then you learn from them and then you can actually figure out how to do stuff on your own whereas when i was in america i was quite surprised at the sign at the lake saying uh, only allowed to swim with supervision where i was like yeah okay hopefully the kid doesn't drown but still if we teach him before how to swim then we will have the trust in him that he can go with his yeah. friends to the lake and swim on his own without us having to stand there and watch him the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's, it was watching you grow up, you know, I met you when you were probably maybe two, I'd say close to two or three, maybe. And I remember meeting you and then watching, you know, your father and mother and even your siblings, you know, how they raised you guys. And I was like, you know, from an American's perspective, when I was, I'm like, man, like they give him a lot of space. Like there's Alexander climbing on a wall. He's walking on top. It's like a sheer cliff <laughs> down one side. He's like five or six walking on top of the wall. And I'm like, oh, that makes me nervous. Right. But watching <laughs> over time and understanding your parents, you know, philosophy and all of that and you climbing trees and being crazy. And I'm like, man, like that looks like insanity but freedom too right <laughs> anyway yeah. fast forward that now at 21 years old and the fact that you can i believe that they you could drop be dropped into just about any environment on the planet and you'd figure it out because you've had to you've built those muscles your entire life you weren't kept in a bubble and, and not allowed or had your parents making decisions for you you got the the freedom of making those decisions yourself and then dealing with the consequences that come from those decisions because isn't that 
life. When do we agree. when do we want to let kids finally become young adults? Because that's what they turn into, right? They're not cats, they're not dogs, you know what I mean? They're they're young adults, they're young humans. When are we going to let them give them space to make mistakes? I remember when Jake was young and he was climbing a, a hemlock tree out by the side of the house here. He's probably about 5 years old and he loved to climb everything. Very similar to you. Right? Loved to climb everything. And I remember sitting in the backyard, I was raking leaves and he was climbing this tree. It's probably 15, maybe 18 feet tall. And he's climbing up this thing. And I told him before he went up, I said, make sure you look for dead sticks in there because they will not support your weight. And he's climbing up this tree and he's climbing up and I saw him not clearing the sticks out. And at one point I turned around and that's probably about 20, 30 feet from him. And it's the stick that he's standing on broke. And he was not prepared for that. And he come tumbling down in the tree as he's kind of like tumbling down through. And at the last second, he hooked a branch. He grabbed it right before he would hit the ground. And I just walked over to him, looked at him. I said, did you clear that tree out of dead branches? <laughs> he's like, no. <laughs> His eyes were huge, right? And I was like, so what did you learn? He's like, to listen and to clear those dead sticks. <laughs> the dude climbs. He still loves to climb, right? And he now is very aware of that. You know, so it's, it is a matter of making sure your kids have space to be able to learn. And yes, deal with the consequences of decisions that are made or not listened to. That's how they learn. We've got to let our kids go younger so that they can start learning what's going on in the world. Or we're going to have a bunch of kids that just constantly need to be stuck on the tit because they don't know how to make their own decisions and are constantly calling mommy and daddy for all of that or dealing with asking somebody else how to fix their problems for them when that is their damn job. 100%. That's a big problem. Yeah. Too much protection can also be... To be can also be bad for sure so parents out there listening you know what i mean maybe you think about giving your kids a little bit more space let them go out there and learn some stuff i remember when oliver wanted a blowtorch when he was five years old as well something about five years old he wanted a blowtorch because he saw me using one and he's like uh, i want one of those and i'm like thinking hmm, you're five <laughs> this probably won't end well but i was like let's see what happens so he started to play with the blowtorch and i was like look that side's hot you only use it when i'm around for now and we'll show you how to start a fire with it and this kind of thing in the fire pit. And, and he would do that. And eventually he got much smarter. And he did at one time grab the end that was bright, the hot one. And he burned his hand, but he learned and he never did it again. And now he's one of the safest, you know, Boy Scouts you ever wanted to know with, a with any kind of fire. He is always prepared with buckets of water next to it, watching the wind. Like he is in it to win it because he understands that he understands it because he started young with it and was able to make those mistakes. So what I'm saying is if, if you're out there and you're, you're you know, hover parenting your kids, maybe give them a little bit more space, a little bit more leash. You might be surprised with how smart they truly are and how well they'll learn. And don't rob them of this time of life where they really need to learn these life lessons so that they can become even better, stronger people in society. So Alexander, appreciate you coming on here in the podcast. Do you have any, any thoughts, any, any thoughts in your mind about you know, this conversation or what you learned on your trip that you think could help people? Well, to sum it up, it's kind of just a perfect kind of show of how the liberty that I've experienced as a child and young teenager, also when I was 16 years old, I went to Denmark on my own on a boarding school for a whole year. Like all of this freedom that I've gotten has enabled me to be confident in myself that I can just go out there and live in Thailand or another country on my own and um, ex have this freedom and also kind of seek this freedom is kind of deeply rooted in my education and how I've been raised by my parents and my family. So, um, yeah, I think that kind of wraps it up pretty nicely. 
I love it, Alexander. Thank you for coming on today. I know you're busy and you're schooling and all that stuff. And I appreciate you taking some time and sharing with our guests here uh, the, you know, all the stuff that you've gone through, the fun things you've learned on your trip. And, you know, listeners out there, don't rob your kids of this time. This time is so important to them. Give them some space. Let them make mistakes. Obviously, you're not going to throw them out in a, in a, a you know, big lake full of crocodiles and say swim across. That's not the point. The point is give them some space so they can make mistakes. And when you do, you're going to be amazed by the, the young men and the young women that, that come out of that kind of experience. So everyone, talk to you next week. 